We serve a God that is great, that's good, that's faithful. And uh, we're just so glad that you're here. Look at your neighbor, give them a high five, tell them you're glad that they're here today. You can be seated. Hey, one time, let's give it up for our worship team this morning as they lead us into the presence of God. I'll be honest, sometimes I'm watching the screen for the words and I'll see the camera hit Josh Jones's hands and I mean, you're pretty good, man. Anyway, hey, we're so glad that you're here today on this Labor Day weekend. How many people know God is in the house and God is good and he's faithful and uh, just glad to be able to speak with you today. My name is Travis. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, Pastor John, as you can tell, is out. He will be back next week. He's starting a new series entitled Jesus Said What? And so uh, we're going to be looking at the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be looking at the red letters. So you want to make sure that you're here next weekend as he starts kind of the fall series. But I'm so glad uh, to be sharing with you today. How many people know church is fun? It's good to open the word. It's good to be together with other believers. It's good to connect uh, with our Father that's in heaven. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter number one. And uh, from there, we're going to look at a passage of scriptures, one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. Then we're going to jump to Joshua chapter three. Uh, But how many people while you're turning there are excited about this new season that we're coming into? Hopefully you are. You know, it kind of seems like uh, Labor Day is kind of the ending of summer, even though we have, you know, several really, you know, maybe hot more uh, weeks left. But at some point in time, in Jesus' name, it's going to get a little cooler outside. Uh, I was watching some college football yesterday. Anybody in the house? There you go. People getting all sanctified talking about college football. All right. My team lost. So anyways, uh, you know, I'm excited that school has begun and all the parents said amen. And it just, uh, it seems like we're just coming into this new season. There's four months left in 2018. I don't know about you, but it seems like just yesterday we started 2018 and we're talking about resolutions and we're talking about goals. And here we are really in the last lap of 2018. And I don't know about you, but I want the rest of this year to be amazing. I want to get closer to God. I want you to get closer to God. I want God to use us to do some amazing things. Check it out. I'm excited, you know, about football and school starting and the weather getting a little bit cooler, but I'm so excited about what God is going to do with the remainder of this year. Uh, Again, I believe that God is going to use every single person in here. I believe that God is going to help us. I believe that God is going to show us uh, how to be a blessing in this city and around the world. But I also believe that 2018 is a year to get closer to him than we ever have. You know, sometimes in our life we can get caught up in the hustle and bustle and and school is starting and we have hobbies and we have our favorite TV shows and we have work. Sometimes our focus can get away from God and I want us to redirect our focus right now to get closer to God as we come into the last four months of this year. Can we agree to do that? Amen. So several weeks ago, uh, Gabe and I, we were at the movie theater and we were watching the new Incredibles. And uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a pretty good movie. But, you know, we bought our $10 popcorn and our $10 Coke and just contributing to the economy here in Texarkana. And anyway, we're watching this movie and we're about halfway through the movie and it looks like things are going really bad for the heroes in the movie, okay? Uh, They're confused, they're beaten down. It looks like the bad guy's gonna win. And it's interesting, Gabe leans over there to me, you know, his hand's still in the popcorn. And I remember him saying, he said, do you think the good guy's gonna win? 
And of course, you know, if, if you've seen any of these movies and really any kids' movies, you know that it has kind of the same synopsis. Uh, kids' movies always start off the same. Everything is really good. Things are great in the hero's life. But all of a sudden, there's a turn. Something bad happens. Some adversity comes. Some opposition comes. A problem arises. And so for half of the movie, they're trying to figure out this problem. And then it looks like everything gets really dark. And they're not going to make it. The hero is going to fail. Goodness is not going to prevail. But then how many people know at the very end, the last second, the world is saved? They save the world, victory comes, and it's amazing. And it's the same thing that happened in this movie. So I lean over and I tell Gabe, I think they're going to make it, okay? I think they're going to prevail. If they will just work hard, if they'll just keep trying, if they won't give up, I think they're going to make it. And of course, like I said, they made it. But you know, I was thinking about our lives a few weeks ago, and sometimes movies are like our lives. How many people know there's always adversity and there's always obstacles that seem to try to get in the way of our victory? There really are. If you've lived your life up to this point, if you have not faced a problem, then you're just lying. Because every person in here, we face problems. We face adversity. We face situations in our life that are tough. There's obstacles at work. There's obstacles at school. There's, there's obstacles with relationships and financial obstacles and health obstacles. And it's not the question as if, if it's going to happen, but the question is when, then what are we going to do when oppositions and problems come into our life? Will we give up or will we hang on? Will we be victorious and give our problems to God or will we run away? Like I said, I truly believe that this fall is going to be amazing, but I also believe the next four months we're all going to face obstacles and problems that come up in our life. And how we deal with these problems will determine how we finish 2018. They'll determine if we're successful. They will determine if we're favored. They will determine if we're blessed and it will determine how many people we reach for Christ. Amen. And so, uh, you know, I don't know every single person in this room. I know a lot of you, but I know God loves you and God cares about you. Maybe you're in this place this morning and you, you're doing great, or maybe you're in this place and you've had some bad situations come up as of late. You need to know this, that God cares about you. You need to know that God loves you and God wants this to be the best season of your life. But in order for this to happen, all of us, again, we're going to have to overcome obstacles and situations and problems as they arise. Uh, today, as we open God's word, I want us to look at several verses in the Bible that have to do with the children of Israel coming into a new season. Okay, uh, what I love about the Bible is the Bible shows us a lot of things. The Bible shows us not just characters on their best day, but characters on their worst day. It shows adversity. It shows problems, but it also shows how you deal with problems. And so I want to check out the children of Israel as they're coming to a new season of their life and how God wanted them to deal with these obstacles as they came. And as we look at this story, I want us to look at four things that we have to remember as we face obstacles this fall. Because listen, I can't give you a formula to go around obstacles and problems, okay? There's not a magic pill that you can take to never have opposition in your life. But what we can do is look at God's word that's going to help us remember certain things that we can do when we face problems. You know what I've found in my life is a lot of times problems come up and it's like a wall that's there. And instead of just giving it to God and overcoming that situation, a lot of times we run. Listen, this is not the season to run away. This isn't the season to allow a problem to dictate your whole life. You know, a lot of us, we've had problems and we've had setbacks, but God wants us to overcome. Can I get an amen? Um, and I believe God's going to help us today. So this is going to be a very practical message. Again, we're going to look at four things that we have to remember as we face obstacles. Sound good? 
Before we jump in, Joshua chapter 1, I'm going to pray. So, Lord, we love you today. God, we thank you that uh, your word is alive. Your word is truth. Lord, as we read it, I pray that you would help us as we face opposition this fall. Lord, I believe that you want the next four months to be amazing. We recognize that the enemy is going to try to steal, kill, and destroy things in our life. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom and discernment. Lord, uh, this morning that the message would hit its mark. Lord, that there would be a voice within my voice that speak to us uh, about certain situations that we're dealing with right now. We love you and we bless you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Joshua chapter one, are you there? Hopefully, it says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over to the Jordan, you and all the people into the land that I'm going to give them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous for you shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left hand that you may have good success wherever you go. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dis dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you jump to chapter 3, verse 1 says, Then Joshua, he arose early in the morning, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. Last verse, verse 5. It says, Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Okay, I love this passage of scripture. I, I kind of love just this is a pep talk, if you will, of God giving to Joshua the new leader. Before we get into these points, I want to give us a little background of where we are. Joshua is now the leader of the children of Israel. You remember 400 plus years before the children of Israel, they're enslaved in Egypt. They had been there. They finally, they cried out to God. They had to, you know, work for Pharaoh. They had to do all this bad stuff. They finally cry out to God, God, send us a deliverer. God, rescue us. And God hears their cry and God raises up a man named Moses. We know through a series of plagues and events that the children of Israel who were enslaved, they basically, they come out of Egypt. Remember, there's 10 plagues. Remember, they cross the Red Sea. And you remember what happens within a few weeks, they get to this land of Canaan or this promised land. They get there and Moses, the leader, says, you know what? We need to go spy out the land. He sends in 12 spies, one for each of the tribes, and they spend 40 days spying out this land. Well, you know what happens? They come back and they give this report to Moses. They say, listen, this land is amazing. It's fruitful. It's everything that our forefathers told us about, but there's a problem. There's giants in the land. You remember the story? There's giants in the land. And so 10 of these 12 spies say, listen, it's amazing. Yes, there's giants and we absolutely cannot do anything. We need to leave. We need to go back. We cannot inherit the land. We know the other two spies, Joshua and Caleb said, listen, there are giants. They are big. They are ugly, but God is with us. We can take them. 
right? And so you know what happens. They have faith. The other people don't. And so these 10 spies basically convince a whole nation that they cannot receive their inheritance. They cannot receive the promise. So what they do is they refuse to go in and take this land that God promised them. God basically served it right up for them, did all these miracles, part of the Red Sea. All they have to do is go possess this land. Yet because of their lack of faith and their unbelief, they turn around. We know what happens after they turn around. Basically, God punishes them and says, I, I told you to inherit the land, but because you were be, you're being disobedient, basically now I'm going to punish you. For 40 years, we know what happens. They wander around the wilderness. Can anybody say, that's terrible? 40 years, they're wandering around the wilderness, basically for this generation of Israelites to die and a new generation of Israelites to come back. So this is where the book of Joshua picks up. Joshua chapter one, it's a whole new generation of Israelites. They're back at the exact same place that they were 40 plus years before. Moses is now dead and Joshua is the leader. The book of Joshua picks up right there 40 years later. They're back in the same place that they were. The giants are still there. The cities are still inhabited. It's not like anything at all has changed. Joshua and his army are going to have to go in and they're going to have to take the land. Not only are they going to have to take the land, but they have to cross this huge barrier. The barrier is the Jordan River. Can anyone say obstacle? Listen, these are obstacles. And you know what? God knows this. So I believe what Joshua chapter one is, is basically two things. It's a pep talk for the children of Israel and Joshua, but it's a game plan, if you will, a blueprint for how they're supposed to go in and they're supposed to possess this land. So jumping in again, looking at four things to remember as we face opposition this fall. Here's point number one. Remember when you face obstacles that God is going to help you. Look at your neighbor and say, God's going to help. Like I said earlier, these obstacles did not catch God off guard. And check it out. I, I don't know what obstacles maybe you're facing right now in your life. Your obstacle, your problem, your situation has not caught God off guard. It's not like God's up in heaven and he's like playing basketball or racquetball and he forgets something. He's like, oh yeah, I forgot you had a problem. No, God sees us. He cares. He knows us. He knows what's going on. You know, God is not this God who just like turned the clock and he's like, I'll check on y'all in a hundred years. That's not God. God knows what's going on. The Bible says he knows every hair that's on our head. He knows our thoughts. He knew us and formed us before we were even born. God knows us. So he knows the difficulties that are going to rise in our life. But here's what he tells Joshua. Even though I know there's problems and there's going to be a lot of obstacles, I'm with you. I'm not going to forsake you. The main foundation of the book of Joshua is, is that, and really it's the foundation of the whole Bible, that I'm for you, I'm not against you, I love you, I care for you, and I'm not just going to leave you out to dry. How many people are grateful for that? I know I am. But for a second, I want us to put ourselves in the shoes of these Israelites. Their whole life, all this group of people know, is the desert. They've lived in the desert. They live this nomadic life. You haven't had a real home and you haven't received this promise that your parents and grandparents kept talking about. You haven't received it. One of the greatest leaders that the world has ever known, Moses, he's dead. Now you're facing this huge obstacle, this Jordan River. It's at flood stage, by the way. Not only are you facing a huge obstacle, this Jordan River, and everybody's got to cross it. I'm talking about babies and children, all this stuff. But the land that's supposed to be yours is inhabited by giants, okay? That's 
an obstacle. That's adversity, okay? I can imagine the fear and the anxiety that some of these Israelites had. We're at the same mountain again that our parents failed at 40 years before. Have you ever had a problem and it's like that same problem kept coming up? Listen, we're going to get into this, but until you deal with the problem, the problem will continue to come up in your life. Until you deal with the situation, you're going to continue to face it. It's there so you can overcome it. So anyways, think about Joshua for a second. You are now the new leader. Your leader, your mentor is dead. The man who led millions of people is dead, and now you have to fill his shoes. Not only do you have to fill the shoes of this great leader, you got to lead a million or so people into this promised land. Not only do you have to lead them across the river into a promised land, you've got to go fight giants in every single city. And oh yeah, you don't have an army and you don't have boats to cross the river. How many people know that's a problem? I can guarantee you as much as Joshua was a man of God, he was a man of faith, he was a man who believed, I can guarantee you there was some fear in his mind. Can I lead like Moses led? Can people, are people going to follow me? I know God parted the Red Sea. Is he going to part the Jordan River? I know God did this, but can he do this? I guarantee you there were some thoughts going through his mind. I don't know if I can do this. Have you ever had doubt come up in your mind? If we're to be honest, every single one of us has. The enemy plants seeds of doubt inside of us, so we won't overcome obstacles that are in our life. But you know what? I can guarantee you that God knew exactly what Joshua was dealing with, and he told him exactly what he needed to hear. Right at the moment, I believe, where hope probably looked its bleakest, God says to Joshua, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you, but I'm going to help you. I believe that he gave Joshua confidence to cross into the Jordan River and defeat the enemies that faced him. But here's what's interesting. Even though God told Joshua, I'm with you and I care and I'm not going to forsake you. Here's what gets me. Joshua actually believed what God said. See, 40 years before, there was a group of Israelites that probably were told the exact same thing, but they didn't believe what God said. Because if they did believe what God said, they would, in, they would have inherited the promise. They wouldn't have been scared. If they would have believed truly that God had their back and God was going to take care of them, they would have grabbed their swords and 40 years before they would have conquered the promised land. But I can tell you, they didn't believe that God was really for them because they turned around and they ran. Even though God brought them through the Red Sea, even though God caused the Egyptians, that army to perish in the waters, even though God led them through, they had a lack of faith and a lack of belief. So here's my question for us this morning. Do we believe that or not? Do we believe that God is for us and he's going to help us, that he's not going to forsake us, or do we not believe that? Are we the first group of Israelites or are we the second group of Israelites? Are we the group that that hears it and believes it? Are we the group that hears it, believes it, and acts upon it? Because check it out. How you answer that question is how you're ultimately going to live your life. It's going to determine what you're going to accomplish for God, what you're going to accomplish in this life, what you're going to accomplish the next four months, how you're going to finish the year. If you live your life with the belief that God is here, that I'm going to serve him, that I'm going to love him, that I'm going to follow him, that he's going to guide me, he's going to direct me, that he's going to help me, he's not going to leave me or forsake me. If you live your life like that, it's going to look totally different from someone who doesn't believe that. Your life will look different than someone that thinks, I don't know if God's really there. I don't know if God really cares. I don't know if God's really going to help me. I don't know if I can really step out because I don't know if he's really got my back. I'm telling you, this is where we separate people who really walk by faith and people who really don't. 
And this is what this comes to. It's a faith issue. I think a lot of believers have a misunderstanding of what faith truly is. The author of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 11.1, 1, he says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So what is faith? Faith is the belief, basically, that God is everything that he said he is. God is the belief that his character stands. God, uh, faith is the belief that even though I can't see it, I trust the one whose character it talks about throughout the Bible. I trust God. And even though I can't see the final answer, I trust the one whom I'm following that things are going to work out. I find out in my life so many times, I, I, I have a lot of faith when I can see how the story is going to end. When I have a good job and I have good money coming in and I have money in the bank and I'm living my best life right now and, and everything is amazing, it's pretty easy to have faith. What about when you don't have a job? What about when you don't like your job? What about when you're not making any money? Because it's easy to say I have faith when I don't have a problem, but your faith is tested when you do have problems. It's the same thing in relationships, man. I, I'm in a great relationship. Everything is good. Is that really faith or faith is, you know what? My, my relationship is on the rocks, but I trust the one whom I'm following that he's going to make what I can't see okay. This is where we separate what faith truly is because I'll, I'll tell you, faith cannot be tested when you can see the outcome. Faith is tested when I can't see the outcome. Faith is tested when God just says, go and do, and I'll take care of the outcome. Of course, you know, we're Americans. We like to see how it's going to end. God said, that's not faith. Faith is you trust me and you lean on my character and I'm going to bring you through. Check it out. I think God wants some people to know today that he is for you and he's not just going to leave you hanging. I think God wants some people to know today that he has your best interest at heart. And I think he wants some people to know today that you can have courage because you can trust even what you can't see because you trust him. What is courage? Courage is bravery doing something even when you're afraid. How could Joshua have courage? Why did God keep saying have courage, have courage, have courage? Because he's basically saying you're not going to see the end result. Be brave because you know me. And if you know me, that's all you need. Check it out. It takes no courage and no faith when you see how the story is going to end. But when you can't see how the story is going to end, that's going to be where you have to lean on the character of God. How do you know the character of God? You read the Bible. You pray. God, I can't see it, but I trust you. I know you're going to work it out. Hear this today. Some of you, it's your time to step out. God, he's got you. He's for you. He cares. That's point number one. When you face obstacles and opposition, Know that he's going to help you. And there's a caveat there I don't have time to go into, but what it says in Joshua chapter 1 is, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to do all this stuff, but you better follow my commands. You better follow the law. Disobedience will never put you in the favor of God. If you want to be blessed, follow what the Bible says. Amen? Here's point number two. When you face obstacles and opposition, remember that it's all about people. Say, it's all about people. What did verse 6 say? Be strong and courageous, for you, Joshua, will cause the people to inherit the promised land. Who caused the people to inherit the promised land? Joshua. Obviously God. Yes, God caused the people to inherit the promised land. This is all orchestrated by God. But God said this to Joshua, because of you, because of your faithfulness, because of your perseverance, I'm going to cause you to cause these people to inherit the promise. Without Joshua, they're not getting to the promised land. What we have to grab is this. God chooses to do great things through people. 
You realize God who is sovereign and God who is all powerful. You realize that God can do anything that he wants and he doesn't need us. He doesn't. He didn't need Noah to spend 100 years and build a boat. You get that. He, he didn't need Moses to stick his staff in the water and, and ask for the rivers or the, the sea to part. But he used them. It's the same thing. God wants to use us. God is a God who he chooses to do things in the earth through his children, us, through the believers. You know, if you have young kids, you know this, your kids always want to help you, right? Hopefully they do, right? And they're not just playing video games all day, but they want to help. You know, I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old, and man, they're always wanting to help. They're wanting to sleep. They're wanting to mom. They want to help me when I wash my vehicles. And here's the problem. Even though they want to, they mess up all the time. You're trying to sweep and you got a pile and then all of a sudden it's spread out across the floor. You know, several weeks ago I was watching my, my truck and I don't know, they were both helping me and I come outside and one of them had thrown the muddy, dirty water back on the vehicle. I think sometimes that's us. Like God wants us to help and sometimes we mess it up. But why do I want my kids to help? me. Why do you want your kids to help you? Because it's ownership. You love them. You want them to be around you. It's the same thing with God. We're his children. He wants to use us to bless people. So here's a question this morning. Who are we leading to the promised land? Who is God using us to bless? Because let me simplify what our life is about. Your life, my life is about two things. Number one, it's getting close to God and it's getting other people close to God. If you want to boil the mission and purpose of your life, it comes down to those two things, not making money, not having a retirement, getting close to God, getting other people close to God. If you will get close to God and you will live your life trying to get other people close to God, you will live a fulfilled life. Those two simple things the enemy wants to keep you from doing. He doesn't want your relationship with God to grow. He doesn't want you to, to be a giver and help people around you. He wants you to be a taker. He wants you to focus on what you don't have. Listen, our goal is to get close to God and to get other people close to God. Who are we going to cause to get to the promised land? I firmly believe that God wants to use every single person in this room to use to get other people to their destiny. And the older I get, the more I want that to be what I'm about. Joshua's purpose for this season of his life was to lead a million or so people to the promised land. That's a huge responsibility. Huge responsibility, but what a blessing. I think it's so cool that God entrusted this ordinary man to do something so extraordinary. You know, when I read about Joshua, I don't read when he was like 10 or 12 that he killed a giant. I don't read about him killing a bear. I don't read about his dad being the king. What I do read about is a man who was faithful that God continued to elevate. He continued to bless. That's more than just about a house and a car. I want my life about bringing people to the promised land. I want to suggest to you that Joshua demonstrated five characteristics that enabled him to do something amazing that blessed a whole lot of people. I said Joshua was, he was just an ordinary guy, but there are some things that he did. You know, the Bible talks about God will use anyone. How many people are grateful that God will use anybody? He'll use you. He'll use me. He absolutely will. But there's some characteristics that he will really use. Even though he was ordinary, the Bible says, you know, that people, God's looking for the whosoever. I want to be a whosoever. That means you choose if you're going to be used by God. You choose if you're going to be faithful. Here's the first one. Here's the first characteristic. I just said it. Joshua was faithful. Listen, e even though the consensus of the people in Israel were, listen, we can't take the land. You know, God has forsaken us. That's not what Joshua believed. He remained faithful. 
We live in a culture today that's steadily getting further and further and further away from the principles of the Bible. Are you and I going to remain faithful or are we going to go with the trends of 2018? You want to do something great for God and great for people, you remain faithful even in a culture that's faithless. The second characteristic that he had was devotion to God. I love Joshua. He's this man who loved God. We see before this, we see Moses, when he's the leader, that he would have these amazing encounters with God. The Bible says that he met with God face to face. The Bible said in the tent of meeting, he would meet with God. The Bible also said that Joshua was right there. If you want to do something great for God and bless a whole lot of people, it's going to come side by side with your relationship with God. Don't think you're going to do something amazing outside of your relationship with God. Reading and praying. Here's the third thing. He was submissive. He was submitted to Moses for 40 years. He's not starting his own tribe. He's not talking bad about Moses. Fourth characteristic he had was he was a man of sacrifice. I haven't found anybody in the Bible that did something great without great sacrifice. Every person in this room, you can be great in this season of your life, but it's not going to come easy and it's not going to come cheap. You're going to have to pay for it. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. And it's going to be self-sacrifice. You're going to have to give. You're going to have to serve. You're going to have to help. This life is about helping and serving and giving, right? Here's a fifth characteristic that Joshua had. He was courageous. He was a man of courage. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't a man that didn't have flaws, but he was a person of courage. We talked about courage earlier. It's bravery even when you're afraid. If you want to do something great for God, it's going to take courage. Let me tell you, in 2018, it takes courage to live for God. It takes courage to be a witness at your workplace. It takes courage to stand by principles of the Bible. Listen, this year, 2018, is a year to lead a whole bunch of people to the promised land. But it's going to require effort. It's going to require personal responsibility. I want to suggest before we move on to the next point, Imagine the hardships for just a second and the obstacles that Joshua faced for those 40 plus years. He's living in the wilderness. There's opposition, there's pain, there's hurt, there's delay. You realize that Joshua and Caleb, they had to wander around the wilderness for 40 plus years because of the disobedience of other people. It wasn't their fault, but they're having to pay the price But I can guarantee you in the end, it made Joshua into the man that he was called to be. What nearly broke Joshua's back, I can guarantee, is actually what built him up to be a man that could lead a whole bunch of people to the promised land. Follow me this morning. The opposition and the pain that you're going through, if you will stay faithful, if you will persevere, will be what leads a whole bunch of people to Christ. Your toil and your dedication and your perseverance and your faithfulness will be what leads a whole bunch of people to Christ. Listen, we realize that we serve a God that doesn't waste anything. The hardships and the pain and the obstacles and the problems that we face in our life, they're hard and they're bad, but I'm telling you, they will make you into the man or to the woman who can carry a whole bunch of people to the promised land. This life, again, is about getting close to God and getting other people close to God. So even though you didn't want to go through what you had to go through, if you will stay faithful, it's going to be what makes you into the person who can carry weight. God wants to use every single person in here. Let's let this be a fall where we get people to him. Every person in here, listen, you're a minister. You're a minister at Cooper. You're a minister at the school. You're a minister at Red River. You're a minister at your house. 
you have influence and that influence is to be used for Christ. Next point, the next two will be super quick. But remember when you're facing an obstacle this fall to consecrate yourself. Definition of consecration is to be set apart unto God, to be devoted or to be dedicated. I want you to follow me here. I find this so interesting. You know what happens right after they cross the Jordan River? They start fighting city after city after city, uh, Jericho and A and all these places. And you would think in the pep talk of Joshua chapter one, the blueprint, you would think that God would tell them, hey, you need to get your swords ready. You need to get your shields ready. This is the attack plan, but he didn't. The most important thing for these Israelites that are facing huge obstacles was not get physically ready, not sharpen your swords, but prepare your hearts. The biggest opposition that they've ever faced in their life. God doesn't give them the weakness of the enemy. He doesn't tell them the battle strategy. Go over here. He said, get your heart ready. I'm about to do something amazing. And it's the same thing in our life. God, once we have problems, once we have obstacles, he wants us to consecrate ourselves, to set ourselves apart, to connect with God. God wants to do miracles in every person's life. He wants you to connect with him. Here's what I want us to see. The battle that you're facing right now or that you will face, the obstacle that you're facing will not be won on the battlefield with the sword, but through intimacy with God. Not through worry and anxiety, but through relationship. Not through just a great battle strategy, but through faith. It's interesting to me, in the Bible, before God would do great things, how many times he told the people, consecrate yourself, set yourself apart. Here's what's interesting. The enemy knows that too. He knows when we face opposition and problems, he knows the strongest, greatest thing that we could do is draw near to God and pray and seek God and worship. But what the enemy wants to do is separate you from God. You ever wonder why sometimes things happen in your life and it's just like a wedge got there between you and God? It was on purpose because the enemy wants to destroy your walk with God. A problem comes, a tragedy comes, and slowly the enemy wants us to step away from God. I'm here to tell you, don't take the bait. Don't allow him to separate you from God. When the obstacles come, draw near to God. Let me ask you this morning, have you drawn near to God lately? I'm reminded in the Bible, one of my favorite stories of, of David and Goliath. I find it so interesting, Goliath, this picture of the enemy. He comes out to challenge Israel. He comes out in the morning. He comes out in the evening. And he taunts the Israelites, remember? And the soldiers, the professional soldiers, they're shaking in their boots. They're afraid to fight this adversary, this giant, until David shows up. David, who's not even old enough to be in the army, he kills the giant. He cuts his head off. But I find it interesting that the enemy came out in the morning and the evening. This was Old Testament. This was the time of their sacrifice, the time where they would connect with God. So what does the enemy do? He comes out when they should be praying and offering sacrifices, and he basically gets in the way. It's the same thing the enemy does today. Why did David kill the giant just because he was good with the slingshot? No, because that dude had been out in the fields worshiping God. His relationship, his, his uh, personal intimacy with God was still intact. And I'm telling you, when you face obstacles in your life, worrying and anxiety, they're going to try to come up. You fight this stuff with relationship with God. Amen? Consecration to God. You set yourself apart. Before we move on to the last point, how is your walk with God right now? You know, we all know that we need to pray. We need to worship. We need to read our Bibles. We need to witness. You know, but sometimes 
we don't do things that we know we should do. You know, I find this, this pretty funny. Uh, you know, for the last few years, I'll see this particular infomercial that comes on TV. And, and it'll come on, and, and it'll be the sad, like, Sarah McLaughlin music, you know, I will remember you, and, and it's just real sad. And then these pictures of, like, the dogs and cats come up. You know the one I'm talking about? And you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, and you're like, oh, man, and you're sad. And these dogs and cats, they hadn't been fed. And at the end, it's like, you can help. You can, you can save them. It's just send $10. And, I mean, I'm just like torn. I'm like, I got to do something. And I've seen these commercials like 20 times. Y'all know how much money I've given? Zero. Some of y'all are like, man, we, we pay monthly. <laughs> Here's what I'm trying to say. Don't judge. I mean, send your $10, whatever. Here's what I'm trying to say. Just because my heart is pulled doesn't mean that leads me to action. A lot of times in our life, man, we believe, man, I need to read. I need to pray. Pastor John preaches this message the last six weeks about prayer. Man, I need to pray. I need to get up early in the morning. I need to meet God. I need to do this and I need to do that. I need to walk through the, the ladder of prayer every single morning before everybody gets up. But sometimes our belief and our actions are not the same. We believe it, man, I need to witness. I need to be a witness, you know, at my workplace. I need to do this. I need to stop doing this. I need to quit watching so much TV. If our actions don't line up with our beliefs, do we really believe? God is calling us not to just feel pulled towards something and feel intellectually stimulated by something, but actually walk it out. What does James say? Faith without works is what? Don't tell me you resonate with reading your Bible and praying. If you don't do it, you really don't believe it because if you really believe it, you'll act upon it. Listen, this is a season not to just believe. This is a season to act, right? As the band's coming up, here's our fourth point. Hopefully you're getting this today. This fall, last point, when you face opposition or problems, remember that it's better on the other side. Look, where we want to be is the other side of the Jordan River. Where you want to be is the promised land. Let me tell you, the wilderness is better than Egypt, but the wilderness is not Canaan. The wilderness is not the promise. These Israelites, from the time that they left Egypt until they finally reached the promised land, 40 plus years, they had a problem with complaining and settling, but running from their obstacles. Instead of entering this promised land, literally within a few weeks of leaving Egypt, they ran away. They were afraid to cross over and they were afraid to deal with the problems. And I'll be honest, I feel like so many times as Christians, we can have the same thing happen to us. When we face setbacks and we face obstacles and we face problems, instead of getting help and allowing God to come in and getting victory, a lot of times it's heavy and we don't want to deal with it and we just run away. Every single one of us in, in life, we've had times where problems have come up. Maybe it's something unexpected, something tough, and instead of dealing, we just ran away. This was the story of those Israelites, the first Israelites, 40 years before, afraid to deal with the problem. And as a result, that whole generation of people missed out on their promise. And I'll tell you this morning, the problem and the obstacle that you are facing right now, if you will not face it, it will destroy you. Those problems will always be there until you're ready to face them. Today, what river do you need to cross over? What promised land do you need to enter? Because there's always going to be giants and opposition on the way to the promise. I wish there wasn't. I wish when you became a Christian, just everything was perfect, but it's not. Don't run away and don't check out. 
Don't give up. I want to implore some people today to stand and to fight and realize that God's going to be there and he's going to help you, but you have to show up. We have to believe that what's on the other side is better than what's on this side. Restored marriage is better than a fractured marriage. Financial peace is better than the enslavement of debt. Freedom from lust is better than bondage. Peace is better than confusion. Joy is better than depression. Check it out. God parted the Jordan River for these Israelites, but you know what? They had to show up and they had to walk across. And one of Satan's biggest tricks is to get you to give up. Why? Because he knows what's on the other side. I want you to follow me. Why do you think there was so much adversity? Why do you think there were so many problems? Why do you think the Jordan River was so big? Why do you think there's giants in every one of these cities? Why is there so many problems for the Israelites that they have to overcome to get to the promised land? Could it be that Satan knew what was waiting for them on the other side? Could it be that Satan knew if they could just get into the promised land, if they could just cross this river, if they could just beat the city after city, if they could just defeat the giants, could, could it be if they could just establish a nation that one day that there would be a baby a few thousand years later that would come out of this nation that would save the world? Could it be what they were fighting for, they didn't even know, but what was on the other side would end up changing the whole entire world? It's the same thing for us. Your situation and your problems and the obstacles that you face, I'm telling you, the enemy doesn't want you on the other side because on the other side, there's peace. On the other side, there's joy. On the other side, there's household salvation. On the other side, there's victory. And he will do everything that he possibly can to get you to stop up against that wall so you will not receive what your inheritance is. Your inheritance is peace. Your inheritance is the joy of the Lord. Some of you need to hear this today before we pray. You've had something bad happen to you in the last few weeks, few months, few years, and you've gotten knocked down. Now is the season to get back up. You know what my Bible, my Bible tells me? That a righteous man falls down seven times. But what does he do? He rises again. There's some people that you've been knocked down and God's saying, get back up. God's saying he's going to help you. God's saying he's going to move the wall. He's going to move the obstacle. He's going to part the Jordan River. But you have to believe it and you have to walk through. What I love about Joshua and these, this group of Israelites is even though they got knocked down and they got knocked down a bunch, they kept getting back up and they inherited their land. They crossed the Jordan River. They defeated the giants. They took their land back. And I'm here to tell you, you can do the same thing in your life. Let's all just stand on our feet for a moment. As we close, I fully believe what I said as I began, that we are coming into a new season. I believe that the next four months are going to be amazing. I also fully believe that there's going to be opposition and problems and an enemy that's going to try to keep me from being victorious. But as we face these problems, God said, I have a plan. I want you to remember that I care. I want you to remember that it's about people. I want you to remember to consecrate yourself and finally remember that it's better on the other side. You know, I want to pray for some people this, this morning. And I just believe there's a lot of people here today that maybe you're in the middle of opposition right now. And God knows and God cares and God hurts for you. But God wants to bring you victory. Maybe you're in this place today and you felt like you're just up against a wall financially, relationally, at work. I don't know. 
and you just feel like, I don't know if there's a way out. I don't know if there's, you know, redemption. I don't know if there's freedom or peace. I'm here to tell you that there is. We serve a God that's here and that God that cares. If that's you in this place today and you say, I'm facing a problem, I'm facing opposition, I just want you to raise your hand where you're at and I'm gonna pray with you, a lot of us today. If that's you, raise both hands just as an act of surrender to God. And I have both of my hands raised. Lord, God, you see us. We are imperfect, we are flawed people. And God, we have a situation, we have adversity in our life, but we need you to help us. We recognize that you care, we recognize that you're with us. God, I pray that you would give us grace right now. Lord, to overcome this hardship, to overcome this obstacle. God, we know that you are faithful. We know that you're not gonna leave us abandoned. We know that you have our best interests at heart. God, I pray that you would guide us and direct us and give us wisdom. But God, we pray for grace for another day to fight. Lord, grace to overcome this wall. Lord, I pray that you would help us. And God, as we go through maybe a hardship right now, Lord, that we could see the light at the end of the tunnel. God, that we could see that what we're struggling with right now is actually gonna be a testimony to give you glory to help other people. Lord, would you bless my friends right now? I pray that you would give them victory, that you would give them favor in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Here's what I want us to do. I want my prayer team to come up. Zach and the team are gonna lead us in just a last moment or two of worship like we always do. But this is the time for the next moment to focus in, what is God saying to me? How do I need to respond to God? Maybe you need to commit to God. I'm going to read. I'm going to pray. I'm going to witness. I don't know. Maybe right now you need to repent of your sins. You know, the Bible says that we're separated from God because of our sin. Maybe the biggest obstacle that you have right now is you've never repented of your sins and made Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm here to tell you in an instant, the victory that Jesus got on the cross can be your victory. All it requires from us is a willing heart to say, God, forgive me and save me. I'm telling you, God can do it this morning. I'll be at the cross if you need prayer to receive Christ, or maybe you need to rededicate your life. You know, maybe you want to come up for prayer. You have some opposition, and you want a believer to stand with you. Listen, don't just check out right now. Connect with God for the next, next minute. And again, I'm believing that God's going to move in our life. Can we believe that? Let's lift our hands. Let's worship God. Our prayer team is up here if you need prayer.